We're going to read those words that we sang about in Psalm 41. We're going to read Psalm 41 in connection to the betrayal of Judas and his Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let us read Psalm 41 first, and then we will turn in our Bibles to John chapter 13. Psalm 41, this is what we read. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Hear my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die? In his name perish. And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. Even my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you are well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. These words were, of course, fulfilled by our Savior. Let us turn to where they're partially fulfilled in John chapter 13. And, of course, they're fully fulfilled on the cross and the resurrection of Christ. John chapter 13 will be our focus for this morning's sermon. We'll pick it up at verse 18. The beginning verses of chapter 13 is when Jesus is is already in the upper room. They're celebrating the feast of Passover, and he has just finished washing the disciples' feet, teaching them a lesson that we need to learn, that he calls us to a life of humility. Following that lesson, that visible lesson, we have uh, the betrayal. He now focuses on Judas Iscariot, verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, And he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, And Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. 
Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy these things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. This is the word of the Lord. Following the sermon, we will sing from hymn 25, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Hymn 25, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Loved ones in our Lord Jesus Christ, where we are now in Christ's ministry is in a place called the Upper Room, and many people call this the Upper Room Discourse, the discussion or the teaching that Jesus provides for his disciples His public ministry, Christ's public ministry, is now over. He's hours, about a day away from his death. And now he focuses his attention on the 12 disciples. He has much to teach them before his parting. Much that they need to learn yet. And yet even before he gets into teaching them, which really begins in chapter 14 or the end of after verse 30, he needs to deal with two sins. The first sin, the first weakness is the sin of pride. And he gets up from the table, pulls up his sleeves, gets a water basin, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Because the disciples dealt with pride. They each wanted to be that much more elevated than the other one in God's kingdom, in God's kingdom advancement. And and Jesus says, no, no, look at this. This is how I need you to, to live out your ministry. Do this like I did. Be humble. But there is a more insidious sin. An evil lurking in that room that Christ had to deal with and in some sense eradicate before he had an opportunity to address his disciples. And it was the sin, it was the merciless sin, every sin is merciless, but the merciless betrayal of Judas. It seemed as if Satan was even lurking in that room at that time. And he calls Judas out in the upper room. Now, there's many things that we're going to look at this morning. But one of the things that we need to look at, and everything in, this, in Scripture is profitable for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. So one of the things that we need to look at this morning is this reality. That God, through Christ and what's happening in the upper room, is, is calling his church to examine their hearts. Because the seeds of betrayal grow on a plant of hypocrisy 
And we will look at that, how the betrayal uh, grew throughout Judas's life, and we'll look at the kind of the anatomy of betrayal, but we need to examine our own lives to say, are there any of those seeds in our life, and are, is there any hypocrisy that we're allowing to grow Coram Deo in the face of God? We're going to look at that. We're also going to look at what, what love, what love Christ has to the very end, even for Judas. And that's going to bless us this morning. This unfathomable, this unquenchable, this insatiable love of Christ that's also demonstrated in our text. And so I've chosen as theme the anatomy of unquenchable love and merciless betrayal. The anatomy of unquenchable love and merciless betrayal. And I want to begin by looking at the betrayal. I want to begin by looking through the lens in some sense of Judas. What, what made Judas do what he did? And what can we learn from that? And then I want to look at it and finish off by looking through the lens of what Christ did and how much love Christ demonstrated right to the very end, even to his betrayer. And then we'll draw some lessons from that. Let's begin with the betrayal. If I was to pull this congregation, especially the older members, but maybe even the younger ones, and ask you, have you ever been betrayed by someone? Now, betrayal assumes a degree of trust, that you've grown to trust somebody, and in the process of trusting that, the relationship has flourished and grown, and then they stab you in the back with a word to someone else. They diminish you. They don't actually really want you to continue on. And they cut you down. I remember kind of naively going into Papua New Guinea and thinking, you know, when you're serving the Lord and you're just doing, you're thinking you're doing what's right and, and you're committing yourself to, to loving people and giving your heart to people and preaching the gospel and doing all this work for Christ that, that people would receive it and, and want to, 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 to see you flourish in that and, and support the ministry. And, and, and I realized very quickly that not everybody has that same mindset. There are those who are quite willing to betray you. Just stab that knife a little deeper. And it hurts. It cuts. David in Psalm 51 or 55 in Psalm 41 here is speaking, often the commentators think, is speaking about a man named Ahithophel. And this gentleman was part of David's kind of inner sanctum, his, his core group of, of men who um, were his advisors. And, and Ahithophel was very, very, uh, very intelligent. He was a wise man. He broke bread with David. He was at David's table. He was giving David counsel constantly. And David grew much through the advice of Ahithophel. But one day Absalom called him up. Probably not on a phone but somehow communicated to Ahithophel that he wanted him to join his camp against his own dad, against Absalom's dad, against David. And it seemed it didn't take very long for Ahithophel to say, you know what, I'm with you, Absalom. Your dad's on the out, he's in old and gray. I'm with you, Absalom. And he plotted with Absalom David's death and demise. 
And you can feel the pain in David's voice as we read it in Psalm 41, that he lifted his heel against him. You can feel the pain in Psalm 55 when Jesus said, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship, fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. It's you that wants to kill me. And I contend this morning that those experiences that you have of betrayal and the experience that King David shares in this psalm still pales in comparison to what Jesus experienced with Judas. We begin in, in verse, four, uh, verse 18. He says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. This is a picture of a horse digging up his heel against his master. But it's used in, in Hebraic and in Jewish tradition as one who actually presses his heel on the neck of his enemy, showing dominance, showing power over him. He lifts up his heel to destroy. That's what Jesus is talking about. And the question that we have to ask this, question, this morning is why? Why would Judas do this to his Savior? who, as we will see shortly, has expended so much love for him. Why would Judas do this? Well, some of you will say, well, because he had to fulfill Scripture. The Scripture was being fulfilled in Judas' rising up against Jesus. Psalm 41, Psalm 55. Or you want to go to Zechariah 11, you can talk about the, the potter's field and the 30 pieces of silver. It was all prophesied what Judas was going to do. He was going to sell his Savior for 30 pieces of silver, the cost of a slave. Some will argue, well, it was also according to God's divine decree. That Judas would rise against Jesus and put him into the hands of his enemies. And that's true. Luke 22 says this. Luke 22 verse 22. The son of man will go as it has been decreed. Nothing of what happened in Christ's love was outside of the divine decree of God. But listen to these words. But woe to that man who betrays him. You see, Judas chose the path. He was aware of what he was doing. He was a sapient being. He had wisdom. He had knowledge. He was concocting a plan. He was masterminding this, this thing that was going to happen just hours later in the garden. It was all mapped up in his, and it worked out just so well that they were going to the garden, and everything was just going to work out so well for him, and he was going to get 30 pieces of silver for something that was going to work out well. But why? Why would he still do it? Well, I think there's a few reasons. I think right from the very beginning, Judas had a heart that was not um, affectionate for Christ. He had a heart that was, was cold to his Savior. He seemed, saw Jesus as a means possibly to an end. 
Everyone in Israel was hoping for the Messiah to come, to rule over, over Rome, to have the power to gain the, gain the dominion of Israel again. And he thought by being part of the 12, and the other disciples kind of thought the same thing, that by being part of the 12, that they would be ranked in the kind of the, the caucus of, of Jesus, that they would be rulers over the dominion, this earthly dominion that Jesus was going to reign over because he was the king. And as soon as he realized that Jesus was living off the streets, hand to mouth, not having a place to sleep at night, I believe that Judas said, you know what? We're not going to get anywhere with this guy. He's not going to be the one that's going to conquer Rome. He's willing to sell him because he didn't fulfill his demands. We also know that Judas was, was hungry for money. And that money became an idol in his life. And so when they offered him 30 pieces of silver, he's like, that's perfect. That's three months of wages. That's pretty cool. But I don't think that is even at the bottom of Judas' reason for betraying Jesus. All of those things are symptomatic. All those things are symptoms, and even in our own life, of something that's even deeper. And what's deeper in Judas' life and this is the warning for the church of Jesus Christ. What's deeper in Judas' life is the sin of unbelief. A heart that does not believe in Jesus as his, his Savior or her Savior is a heart that will grow cold to Jesus. And when the heart becomes cold, when it has no affection for Jesus Christ, the heart becomes vacuous. It becomes empty. It begins to need to be filled by the things of this world. And idolatry and pride and name and status begin to rise. And it's in that vacuous heart where the heart has denied Jesus his glory, where the heart is not affectionate for Christ, where the heart does not believe in Christ, that Satan can easily take a foothold. You see, there's no halfway between loving Christ or not loving Christ, believing Christ or not believing Christ. Either you believe Christ for all he is and you surrender your life to him, or you deny him and betray him and belittle him and give him your garbage. It's, it's either or. You, there's no middle ground for Christ. There's no room in the church of Jesus Christ, even today, for fake Christianity. For just riding the wave of Christianity because your parents are doing it or because others are on this wave with you. No, it's either you're for Christ or you're against Christ. There is no middle ground. Judas' heart was, was fomenting throughout the ministry of Christ in a way that was dark and insidious. But at the core of this insidious and dark, fomenting heart was a heart of unbelief. Which is different than Peter. Impetuous Peter who said, I believe in you, Jesus. And then the next minute he says, uh, um, I don't know the man. He was a weak believer. That's not the same as Judas, who had no affection for Christ. And if you have no affection for Jesus Christ, that is the most dangerous place in all the earth. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And they ask, well, who is it, who is it Jesus? This is the one I dip this piece of bread in. 
the dip and I give it to that that's the man and it's amazing as soon as Judas took the bread what happens as soon as Judas took the bread it says in verse 27 now after the piece of bread Satan entered him then Jesus said to him what you do do quickly after that piece of bread was in his mouth it was as if Satan and Christ entered the scene together on the life of Judas Satan wanting to pull him into darkness and Jesus said you have chosen that path go it's over and it's very interesting in verse 30 having received the piece of bread he then went out immediately and what does it say next open your Bibles if you don't have them open what does it say next I'll wait yes sip of water anyway having received the piece of bread he then went out immediately four little words and it was night he said yeah well it wasn't day it was nighttime he's saying a lot more than it was just the moon wasn't shining it was dark out night at night he was saying a lot more than he had then it was day before they came into the, into the upper room, and now it was night. There is throughout John this theme of light and darkness, riding right through the whole gospel. Jesus is the light, and if you depart from Christ, you enter into, that's right, darkness. It's that simple. It's that clear even just a few verses or days maybe before we find ourselves in the upper room John 12 verse 46 this is what Jesus says I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness and Judas he, he, he leaves the one that he was abiding with. He leaves the one who was going to rescue him from eternal darkness. He leaves the one who was going to be the light of the world after his resurrection. He leaves the one who was going to save him from God's judgment and wrath. He leaves that one and he enters into darkness never again to enjoy the light or the sweet fellowship of Jesus Christ. And it was night Some of you will say to me, because I've preached this before, some of you will say to me after the sermon, but maybe Judas repented. Maybe he didn't. Maybe that step of separation into the night wasn't an eternal step into eternal darkness. I believe it wasn't a step into eternal darkness. But some of you will say to me, but Pastor Ian, but maybe he repented. You don't know. Well, if you say he repented, you're saying more than Scripture does. When Scripture when the Gospels are written post-death and resurrection of Christ, every reference to Judas is negative. He's a thief. He's a devil. He's called the son of perdition. 
He is one who has chosen the path of darkness, and darkness consumed him. There is no easy way to deal with the weight of what happened here. When he stepped into the night and stepped away from Christ, this was an eternal decision. This was an eternal reality. He couldn't now go back, it seemed. For three years he fellowshiped with Jesus. For three years he ate, drank, slept, learned, experienced, been taught so much about what it means to experience the love, the fellowship, the sweetness of being with Christ. And he says, I don't want that. And he entered into darkness. And there's a warning in Hebrews. I think Hebrews might be referring to Judas when it talks about this in Hebrews chapter 10. I don't have time to read the whole uh, paragraph, but I'm going to read two verses from Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth. This is what Judas is doing. He's deliberately sinning after he has received the knowledge of truth. It says this, there's no sacrifice for sin left. But only a fearful expectation of judgment. And of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That's heavy. That's the anatomy of betrayal. It ends in death when it comes to betraying our Savior without a repentant heart to turn from that. But there is something about this text that allows us to not end there. And that's this, that, that Christ is, 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 is showing so much love and that's where we need to end we don't need to focus ultimately on judas because judas is not the 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 protagonist the, the the subject of the story no it's all about jesus so what does jesus teach us here we know what judas did what does jesus teach us he teaches us this that there is no lack of love in the heart of our savior There was never anything lacking in Christ that Judas should have denied and betrayed him. It's not because of something in Christ that Judas said, you know, I've got to leave. I, I don't want to be with you anymore. No, Christ is the sum total of love. He is, he is the, he's the incarnation of love. He is bounding and so full of grace. And that's why we read in verse 21, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. He said, very truly I tell you, one is going to betray you. Sorry, one of you is going to betray me. He was troubled in his spirit. Verse 21. He was troubled in his spirit and he testified. You see, unmasking, unmasking this betrayal of Jesus, of Judas, unmasking Judas's betrayal caused anguish for our Savior. His soul was in anguish. It's very interesting that the very same word that's used for anguish here is also used when Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus and he saw the people weeping. His soul was in anguish and Jesus wept. Jesus' soul feels the pain. 
Jesus' soul felt the pain of what was happening in Judas and Judas' decision and what would consequently happen in Judas' life. He felt that. His soul was in anguish. The anguish is a soul. There's two things that happen in this word anguish. One is the soul is, is, is deeply sorrowful and at the same time it's angry. That, that the soul is deeply troubled. And he says to his disciples, one of you is going to betray me. And what's amazing here, and this is also shows the love of Christ. I'm just going to show a number of examples that show the love of Christ. What's amazing here is that the disciples had no idea who it was. Does that not amaze you? What does that mean about Christ's ministry? That means for the three years that he was with Judas Iscariot, not once did he betray Judas's intent. He knew it, but not once did he expose it. He loved Judas to the very end, and even at the end, hours before his death, he said, one of you is going to betray me. And, and Peter's like, John, Find out who it is. They think that they were whispering at this point. So John whispers into Jesus. The New King James has him on his bosom, on his chest. He whispers into Jesus. They're all lying down. He whispers into Jesus' ear. Who is it, Lord? Who is it? They were incredulous. They had no idea. You know, if you were to look at Jesus' love for his disciples, you would not be able to see that he didn't love Judas any less. He taught and showed Christ, showed Jews all that love. He even said in, in Matthew 19, verse 28, he said, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel he gave Judas that opportunity to be one of those 12 he isn't anymore but if you followed me you would be able to sit on the 12 thrones Judas got to see when he was sent out with the 72 he got to see the devil fall he got to see um People healed. He got to see the power of Christ at work. And all of this didn't make much of a difference. And all of that showed Christ's love. And even, even before he dips the bread into the dip, he takes his hands, Christ takes his hands, gets a bucket, and washes the feet of the one who had already run to the Sanhedrin to betray his Savior. And there even, he didn't say a word. He washed his feet. In love. I believe that every single action, every single gesture, even the intonation of his voice, everything he did before Judas was love. Even the dipping of the bread. He says, when I dip this bread into this dish and give it to that person... You will know who it is. But even the dipping in what they call the hishereth, a, a, a dish mixed with bitter herbs and, 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 and fruit, 
like dates and, and raisins, mixed together and figs, mixed together. He says, when, you, when, when people used to dip the bread and give it to somebody else, it was a position of honor, of giving honor to somebody. Here it is, take it. That's why the disciples didn't even figure it out when, he, when Judas left. They saw Jesus honoring Judas with this bread, and they were all confused. Jesus was prepared to lay down his life for Judas. Soon, not much after Judas left, he said these remarkable words. He said, there is no greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And Judas decided not to do what Jesus commanded. Jesus showed so much love, but he also showed love to his disciples at this time. And that's verse 19 and 20. He says in 19, now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. And then he says this, most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. What was Jesus doing Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And that transaction was already complete. Now he focuses also on, on the remaining 11 disciples. And he's basically encouraging them in the, re, in the face of what is going to happen. In the face of Christ's betrayal. In the face of this kind of evil. Stay the course. Do not give up. Do not let the evil of this age, the evil that's going to you're going to experience stop you from what you are called to do and that is to tell people about me and realize this that if they realize that you that I sent you they will also realize that it was the father who sent me I have sent you on a commission your responsibility remains the same regardless of what Judas is going to do you know sometimes when we are in ministry and Actively sharing the gospel with people. Satan's working double time. He's working double time to to stop the progress of the gospel. He's not sitting by idly watching the world turn to Christ. And when we are confronted with evil, we need to remember who is the one who sent us. and And if they realize who is the one who sent us, they will also realize that it comes, he comes from the Father, and this is according to God's sovereign will. They need to know, and we need to be bold in the sharing. This is the love of Christ, the love shown to Judas right to the very end, and Judas denying that love, and the love shown to his disciples that in the face of evil, continue to march on and continue to make me known. So what are some lessons just in closing for us this, after, this morning? Here's the first one, I think. That even in our sin, that God is so patient with us. He reached down to Judas constantly in love as God continues to reach down to us constantly in love. Constantly displaying his mercy. 
He's calling us to repentance, yes. But even when we fall again, his love continues right to the end. But he's also calling us this morning as I began to examine our hearts. I said, as the seeds of betrayal fall from plants of hypocrisy. Or you could say the plant of betrayal grows in the, in the soil of hypocrisy. At the bottom, in, in what happens often or does happen in, in, in the church of Jesus Christ, that you can, you can be in the church for three years and nobody really know that you're not a follower of Jesus. You could be in the church for 30 years and people not realizing you're not a follower. Or 60 years. It's not that hard to be like Judas, actually. To just go through all the motions and even say the right thing. Well, why, why is, you, why is that all that money being spent uh, in, in that perfume? That could be sold and help the, help the poor. What a pious thing to say, Judas. And a great distraction for people. We can sound pious, we can act piously, and yet our hearts can be full of evil. When Jesus says these words, one of you is going to betray me, those fell heavy on the hearts of the disciples. They didn't know who it was, and so each of them had to examine their own life. What is in my heart? Do I actually love my Savior, or am I willing to sell him for 30 pieces of silver? And the call out on the church of Jesus Christ is the same today. Who is Jesus to you? What's he, what's he mean to you? Where, where's your love for him? What's your affection for him? And what are you prepared to deny in your personal life so that you can receive him as your Lord? Judas couldn't deny money. He couldn't deny power. He couldn't deny wealth. Those were things that held him captive. And finally, and just briefly, when Jesus is rejected, over and over and over again to the very last breath of our life he has every right to say go you do what you want to do as he did to Judas but today he's not saying that to us today he's telling us to come he's telling you this morning to come to him Yes, in the hearts of each one of us, there are seeds of betrayal, seeds of denial, seeds of, of, of unbelief living in each one of us. And the word to each one of us this morning is to come to the one who loves you, who's going to lay and has laid his life down for you. And he's saying to you, come to me. Confess those sins. And I will give you rest. My blood is sufficient to cover all of the sins of the past, the present, and the future. You are mine. Believe in me. Believe in me. That's the message of John's gospel. That's the message that came from Christ's mouth. That's the message I leave with you this morning. Amen.